Want to have your very own free-range egg farming business? Welcome to Green Grass Egg Farming Podcast with Daniel O'Brien, the show dedicated to giving you the latest tips, ideas and interviews to help you produce the best-tasting free-range eggs and sell your eggs for the highest price. And here's your host, Daniel O'Brien. Daniel O'Brien here. Welcome back to GreengrassEggFarming.com. My special guest today is Andrew Cameron from Byron Grass Fed. Welcome. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks for getting me on here. Yeah. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about using chickens with cattle. And uh, you've had a little bit of experience with this, uh, Andrew. Yeah, I wanted to start with like yeah. why would someone, if they've currently got cattle, want to bring sort of chickens to the mix? Yeah, well, look, for us, and you know, I was using cattle as much as possible with the chickens for a good couple of years. And the last time I was managing Possum Creek, I mean, originally, you know, originally you're thinking about biodiversity. I am too, especially with the creating more diversity, biodiversity in your soils to start with. So, I mean, as you know, the, the cow manure is full of great nutrients, which the chickens then very happily spread around, which is great. And not only that, you've got all the fly larvae in there that's that they're pecking at, and and you just see like I'm mean, every time I've moved the cattle in uh, the chickens into a, a patch where the cattle have been, they just go straight for the cow pats, and there's obviously a lot of feed in there that they want, so that's that's great for them, and it's and I think it just comes back to the whole the holistic view of it all that you're, you're creating that biodiversity in the system, you're seeing nature at work, and aside from that. You know, they're a great tool to help graze down your grass before bringing the chickens in. I know I've had a lot of issues bringing chooks in to a paddock when it's too long. You know, you can lose the eggs. They, they get comfortable in certain areas you don't want them to. Yeah. That sort of thing. So, you know, I know and sometimes you can't always get the cattle in front of the the chooks as much as you like to. It's, it's they are on a very different schedule. But, um, yeah, another great bonus is that, you're not going to be slashing paddocks as much yeah, before certainly. you bring chooks in. So again, it's just another you know it's a great tool to use in the mix of things that also gives a added income to the farm. So it's not just biodiversity; it's diversity in your own farm enterprise with the whole system. And you, yeah, so you've got diversity there on the ground and and in your pocket, I suppose. So tell me, like. What benefits have you seen? Like, let's just say we're talking about a farm. They've just got cattle. They mm. might be doing like a cell grazing technique, so they're putting in in a small area for a day or two, moving them on, versus yeah. adding chickens to it. Do you think you can see like a noticeable difference where the chickens have followed the cattle, like in farms that you've sort of managed? And yeah, I think it's. I think the main noticeable difference too is just you know you see that the. It's it working like you see that chickens really enjoy scratching that manure. So to me, that's just a sore sign from nature that it's it's supposed to happen that way. Yeah, you know, you just the first thing they go for will be a cow pat, and it's great to look over a paddock and see just these sort of what used to be cow pats, just scratched out areas, and you can see they've spread the manure. You can see they've gone in, they've got whatever it is they're looking for in there. So obviously, it's a telltale sign that it's supposed to be working that way. Yeah. And one thing I've found interesting is how far they spread them. Like you, you think they're just like oh, spread yeah. it out a bit. Like it's almost like a meter square that mm. it's fully like annihilated. It's just like spread yeah. right across. 
And, yeah. and and I think just for pasture, having that cow pat rather than just being sort of a dinner plate, it's spread over a metre and yeah. you, you've got chickens doing that opposed to trying to do it yourself. Absolutely. And that's the thing. It's, it brings it right down. And I guess we're used to seeing these lumpy paddocks because of those large deposits of cow pats. But, I mean, you've, you're getting a – I guess you're getting a better cover of your of your pasture in a sense because – of that fertilization spreading. Yep. And yeah, in some ways it's yeah, you can you're getting that more even spread, which is just makes a lot of sense. You probably don't need a, one huge cow pat for that small area. So Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's right. And one thing you did touch on which I think is a is a real benefit is that the cattle can eat the grass down before the chooks come. Like typically, mm. chooks don't want to go into grass that's taller than them. Like I think even you or I, we're not going to want to walk yeah. through a field of grass yeah. that we can't see through. So I've found chooks go so much better when when the grass is like ankle height or even yep. even shorter. They can really just get into it and see more. Mm. And, and yeah, having the cows in front to sort of eat that down, which sort of leads me on to like, how does how does this work? What does it look like? You've got um, some cattle. You've got a couple of hundred chooks on your farm. What does it look like to use them together? Because as you sort of were saying before, the cattle will naturally move a lot faster than the chickens unless you have yeah. only one or two. So how does it sort mm-hmm. of work? Yeah, and that's something, you know, obviously I'm, I don't claim to be an expert on the matter yet. <laughs> We've... We've all seen the Joel Sarton methods and, you know, that's the ideal dream is having them moving right in front of the chooks as much as possible. I mean, unfortunately, in reality, it's very hard to time things um, the same way as, you know, because the cattle are moving fast. And we, I can see it's a lot of it comes down to in the planning stage of, and I definitely haven't nailed the, the numbers in terms of how many cattle will run best with how many chickens. And that's the thing too, quite often it comes down to the fact, well, hang on, we need to produce X amount of chickens to get X amount of eggs to make the income for the, for the enterprise and <clears throat> you complement that with the cattle. And I think maybe in the design process it's going to be more working out or what's, a, what's an ideal number of cattle, how fast will they move in front of these, in front of the, the chooks and so forth. Yeah. So this, the new farm of just starting up a, another farm in Byron We've yeah, we'll run three flocks there and at the moment there's only ten head of cattle, but we're yet to plan the fences. So it's gonna be a good opportunity there to see how I can incorporate it so that we do can maximise that cow to chicken synergy. Yeah. Because yeah, it is a bit different, especially when you're moving the the your one cells where it might be four fifty meter nets or, or whatnot. You have moving that weekly essentially, and then obviously the cattle need a lot more grass than that, as as you said, unless you have maybe two or three head of cattle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the other thing too is maybe I've been thinking a lot about designing paddocks in a way that you've got a much larger paddock. It might be two to, well, two to three hectares that's electrified. Yep. And running the chooks behind that because then you can move them a lot more regularly too. I think it comes down to the time it takes to move the whole cell, the whole caravan, rather than just if you're just jumping in, towing a caravan around. Then, yeah, there might be more opportunity to create more of that effect because obviously that effect is good. The effect is great with cows behind the chickens 
you know, you can see that they want to eat what's in there. You see they enjoy spreading it around and you can see they enjoy, the pasture enjoys it. So it's a matter of, yeah, trying to work all those little things out. Yeah. But it's a, it's a good little thing to sort of keep working on, I guess, to try and um, figure out those optimal ways. But in, in yeah, reality is it's, it's hard to follow the chickens. Yeah, a lot, you know, for more frequently behind the cows. Yeah, and the thing is, every farm's going to be different. Like it's going yeah. to be different shape, landscape, and and whatever. And also, like your rest and recovery time. Like mm. you're working with farms at Byron Bay, so you've got yeah. reasonable rainfall, reasonable mm. climate. You're not crazy yeah. hot. You're not crazy cold. No. What sort of like rest time? So the cattle have been through. A few days later, the chooks have been through. What sort of rest time are you sort of allowing in your climate before you bring the cattle or the chickens sort of back over that sort of patch of ground? Yeah, and that's the other thing too. That's going to differ a lot between your cattle and your chickens. Um, so for our cattle, you know, in a growing season, you know, you can you can rest or we'll give a recovery period from, you know, anywhere from 6 to 14 weeks. Yep. You know. Um, and then over the non-growing period, well, it's a lot different because you can't essentially overgraze in the non-growing period, so you manage it a bit differently. So, yeah, there's the, the seasons and the climate that you have to change your grazing periods. Yeah. For sure. Um, and that's the unfortunate thing with the chickens, given that it is all the systems I've been running with anyway. I don't know. Um, yeah, as I said, there's many different ways people are doing it, so it's great to explore those. Um, I find the chickens it ends up being more of okay, a week-to-week thing because they're not – I mean, grass isn't their primary feed in that sense too. So yeah, it's an additional thing to the feed that you have to give them. Um, and so they're not, they're not smashing it down as bad as the cattle would yeah. do. But even, in, even with the chickens, I, I like to see at least eight weeks of recovery in a growing season, and yeah. then even up to twelve weeks over the winter periods. Yeah, for okay. the chooks. Yeah, good. <laughs> and tell me about what you see the benefits. So, if someone's just starting out and they think, "Well, why couldn't I just take them back after four weeks?" Like the grass looks mm-hmm. high, it looks green. What's going to happen if you keep doing that? Well, I mean, you just see, you just get a nitrogen overload for for one thing. And 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 again, it's just monitoring it. Like I, one of the big issues I've found is having the if the caravan stays in the one spot for the whole week, which it pretty much has ended up being because it's a lot of time to go in and move it. Yeah. Um, I think if you were moving it every day, you'd have much better. You'd have you'd shorten your recovery period. Yeah. But you can see, yeah, a bit more of a nitrogen build up than you probably want to have in there. Yeah. Okay. And I think too for cleanliness, I mean three weeks I guess is this essential parasite cycle that you want to break, so three weeks minimum. But I mean like anything, you just don't want to overdo the pasture because there are certain patches where the caravan's been, you can see it's had a much more higher impact. Yep. I have noticed sort of succession taking a back step a bit I suppose in terms of there'll be a patch of weeds. Yeah, okay. Um, which is fine. Like it's still part of nature. It, it creates more diversity and so forth. But you can see that, okay, that area has probably had a bit too much. Um, yeah, impact. okay. 
So, so you, you weeds come back. So yeah. you've left the chickens there too long, and you're finding weeds are coming up rather than good quality pasture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, okay. Just because it's had a higher impact, I suppose. Yeah, and that's something else with different climates. Like I know a farm that's probably four or five hours south of Byron, still north of Sydney, and they'll use a 50 by 50 metre square. They'll have the chooks in there for three days, but they'll move the caravan inside that square. So the the chicken caravan is only sitting in one spot um, each night. Each night it's in a different spot and then they go um, move on. Yeah. But it, but again, different seasons. Like in some some seasons where you've got higher growth, you've mm. got to be able to like treat your farm a lot different to whether it's middle of winter and low growth. So, yeah, well, that's and that's the thing. That's the ideal thing is to be able to get in there and move it daily. Yeah, and that's why sometimes I think to go to bigger paddocks and move them more. Yeah, yeah, it's just working out how much input you give the system to how much you can yeah produce from it. So, sense, so when you talked before about parasites, like have you found having chickens, if it's um, reduced the amount of ticks and things that are hanging around the cattle? Mm, not as much. No, I mean it's hard to – no, not necessarily. Yeah, I like guess, I realise that it's not something yeah. you can sort of measure like this week or, or no. that week. I mean, yeah, I haven't noticed a, a change in that. As as much, and I think that's mainly just because, yeah, they are on such a different timing with the grazing. Yeah, right, different rotation. And again, I don't yeah. think I think in the system we were building, it was sort of okay. We're building chickens and cattle, and then it's like, oh no, we really want to focus on the chickens to build up the eggs. Yeah, so that the cattle become a all right. Well, let's keep the cattle as a. It's a bonus thing. Every time we get them in, a bonus. It's a bonus, but they'll be moving. You know, totally different thing. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. I think if we're planning it more synergistically, I suppose you would think close, more closely on how, what number of cattle would run better with X amount of chickens. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. I wonder if there's some science to that part, but yeah, that's, that's something I want to sort of look at into this next one, giving it a. Yeah. A black canvas at this stage, and we can sort of look a bit more to, yeah, which is, I guess, more of a, you know, polyculture thinking rather than, all right, it's, we're going to really gung ho on eggs. Yeah. And yeah. we throw in the, in the cattle as a, as a bonus. But it is a great bonus to have in there either way. Like, just create that biodiversity when you can. Yeah. And if you have cattle there, just, yeah, start thinking about fencing and so forth that you can bring in and, just do it from time to time when it makes sense or when it's, you know, when you're able. Yeah. And the other thing with the planning, like I know you and I have talked about this in the past, like a lot of it's observation. Like you can <laughs> you can put as much plan as you want onto paper, yeah. but then when you get out in the paddock and you go, well, hang on, it worked different on paper. And working with the seasons, it's like if you've just bought a farm yesterday, don't don't fill it up tomorrow. Like, just wait around a bit, see what happens, see where the wet spots are. Like, yeah. like a, a bit of observation, and it's not something you ever get to the end to to say, "I've done my observation, done." Like, it's just constant. Mm. So, I, I think that's something where someone can get started, get started with the chickens, and see how they go. It's, it's yeah. not, a, not a case of don't get started or like don't get cattle. Yeah, get them, work them together, and, and see what's working 
like for your farm and such. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. That's the thing with planning, isn't it? It's, you know, you plan to change the plan <laughs> always. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's sort of, and, you know, that's that's the constant thing about it. It's just, and that's just it. There isn't, there isn't any model that you can go, right, this is how it's done because it's always different. And, yeah, and that's the thing. I'm on a new patch of, patch of land at the moment. It's going to be different again in terms of how it responds to, Chickens and cattle, and we're bringing sheep in now too, which is great. So, okay. I only just started using sheep grazing before the chickens. Yeah, fantastic. Which is a, which is a totally different thing because now we've we've actually got the right number of sheep that can spend a week in the same cell size as the chickens, and it's enough feed. Okay. But again, that's this time of year when it's yes knee height growing like mad. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so that's going to change again as well. Always changing. But then I don't think you get as much interaction of the with the chickens. Like you know, their 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 manure is a lot different to cow pat. So yes. You know, so yeah. we'll just see how that goes too. But it's a it's another tool to use in that creating biodiversity and diversity in your in your farm in terms of what you can produce and everything else. Yep. Yeah. yeah uh, okay. So to to get down to some of the how, so like I know you've used like the electric chicken fencing, so like the chooks mm. are inside that. So w- when you're talking about the sheep, you said you've got the right number of sheep for the for the same size cell. What sort yeah. of cell size are you sort of referring to? Um, well, at the moment we're just running for 300 hens, running three 50 meter of a feather net. Yep, electrified, which is yeah. So that's the same thing we use for the sheep. Okay. That's electrified as well. Yep. Yeah, which is working for that number quite well. I think we'll move that to 400 hens and, and increase the cell size again, so it'll be 50 by 50. Okay. Which, again, is going to be better for the sheep during the non-growing season too. Yeah, yeah, a bit, bit more space. because we can see that it can handle what it is now, but it's there's a lot of grass, there's a lot of feed, so. Yeah. Yeah. How have you found the cattle with with the electric chicken fence? So obviously you've got chooks one side and at times you've got cattle the other side. How have yeah. you found them sort of respond like with like full-grown cows and calves and such? Yeah, well, they can be an, they can sometimes be an issue like because they will want to rub up on the fences Okay. from time to time. So generally I'll try and make it so that they're not in the same – so. The, that the chicken cell isn't in the paddock of the cows. Yeah, where they are thing. that day, yep. yeah. Yeah. Okay. So try to, I mean, again, it's dependent on the type of cow and what behaviour is going on. I mean, there's been periods where it's been fine and all of a sudden a calf decides to challenge yeah. or whatever. Yeah, that, um, and that's the same experience I've had like with, um, like if you put on a dairy farm, the dairy cows just look at it and go, yeah, I don't really need to go near that. But you've got, I've seen especially young cows or, and, and the calves, they're, like, they're always that little bit more inquisitive. Yeah. So, yeah, they might want to touch it or rub up against it or something. So yeah. it's probably a good tip for anyone that if you've got calves around, just keep an eye yeah, on them around keep. your fences, maybe put a tape up or or in another paddock um, while the chooks are grazing through there. Yeah, because that's a tricky thing too. I guess with the cattle, we're usually running the pigtails with the single, single string electrified. Yep, and um, you know the calves can pretty much go where they want. So yeah, I think in some ways it's it's better to have certain paddocks or keep them away from the chickens even 
during that the weaning time. Yep. And they're much smaller and so forth and and once they're responding to that single line better it's you know, it's much more manageable. But again, especially if you bring in steers and fattening them out, then it's gonna be a lot a lot more manageable as well. So I guess it's something to consider too if you're gonna be breeding and running chickens. Uh, you know, there's a whole little um step that you're gonna have to manage, I guess. Yeah. But obviously it'll be a lot easier if you I just bring in bring steers, fattening them out sort of thing. Yeah. It'd be a lot easier to incorporate that into the, the mix. Yeah, and a lot of farms, like if you're breeding, you've got more than one paddock anyway, so you can, yeah. like, uh, again, it comes down to each individual farm setup, but so long as you've got um, a variety of paddocks to work with, you can just keep the young stocks of away from where the chickens are grazing at that time. So, mm. yeah. Right, well, yeah. so we'll just do a bit of a recap. So... If you've got cows, some of the benefits are that they spread the cow pats where this provides um, protein, food for the, the chickens because they're going to get heaps of bugs in it. Um, out of that, they, they're going to spread that out so that's going to be better for your pasture. Um, make sure you keep moving your, your chicken caravan or your movable chicken shed regularly so you don't get a nitrogen buildup. Your rest time could be between uh, 6 and 14 weeks but even that depends on the season. So, mm. um, and a lot of it just comes down to the planning of your farm and um, observation to seeing what's working, what's not. And as you said, plan to um, change the plan. Yeah, and having a paddock up your sleeve, I think. Okay. We've, I've seen, I mean, last time we sort of really loaded it up. Like, all right, so great. We've got minimum 12 weeks recovery. We can and take the whole property and go, right, we can fit everything, we can do that. But then it's, I think it's wise to have a paddock up your sleeve that you can rest it or hot rest an entire area. Yeah, okay. Again, based on that observation, go, well, look, we don't want to run, just rely on that recovery period because things are going to change. Yeah, okay. So I think it's easy to get caught on that and go, right, so if I've got 100 acres, I can fit this many chickens based on that recovery period. But... It's. I think it's wise to think. Well, hang on. Keep some space up your sleeve for sure. Okay. Keep a spare paddock. That's a, a good one to note down. So, is there anything else that we, we've missed? Uh, we've gone over some of the um, some of the main points. Um, like, what's some advice? Uh, some action steps. So, if someone's got a couple of hundred acres, they've got some cows. They're going to add chickens to the mix, mm. uh, and they've got enough space to sort of keep them separately. How, what are some of the first steps to start getting the chickens to follow the cows that, that they should sort of look at? Well, I think, yeah, I mean, I get, originally you're going to have to look at your, how the, the cow paddocks are set up. Um, I mean, it wouldn't be hard just to get a reel of electric single string wire and some pigtails and just start that process, I think, depending on how your paddocks, paddocks are set up. Yeah. Because it's very easy just to draw a few paddocks, get the cows in there, get them trained on the fence, on the wire, and just graze it down a bit, and then you know let them out again or bring them in when you need to, I suppose. Um, but totally depends on yeah how the setup is, and but I think if you've got some of that wire around or just the good thing is too with the caravans, you know you can just close them up and let them follow the you know 
if you've already got cattle, incorporate the chickens into how the cattle are grazing. Yes, okay. Rather than think, okay, this is now a chicken farm, move the cattle with the chickens or vice yeah. versa. Okay, no, that, um, that's a good good tip to look at. Mm. Yep. But well, yeah, I guess it's just about getting into it and start 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 doing, start observing, and see yeah. see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, observation is a big takeaway today, and uh, something you, you can't can't do too much of. Um, mm. Just yeah. I, over time, just continually going, what's working, and is it still working like it did last season, and um, yeah. what's it going to look like? So, yeah. Yeah, because things will evolve and you'll see areas which will start to change and that's that's great. And I mean, I've noticed certain paddocks on certain slopes. Kaiku will come through, which is the favourable pasture we're going for and you, know, you think, okay, well, why is it working there but not on the other side there? They've had the same impacts and so forth. So it's, you know, it's a constant, constant, yeah, yeah. <laughs> problem-solving thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. always moving, always changing. So, mm. yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time today. Um, I'm sure everyone has uh, really benefited from some of the experience and uh, wisdom that um, you've shared. And I look forward to catching up with you in the future and uh, hearing about how the the chickens are working with uh, the sheep and how yeah. it's working with the cell yeah. system. So, so far, so good. Hmm. Awesome. Well, thanks for your time today. No worries, Dan. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Green Grass Egg Farming Podcast. For transcripts and other free resources, please go to greengrasseggfarming.com.